Welcome to another episode of Getting Into Information Security, where we talk with InfoSec professionals and learn how they got into the field. I'm your host, Eamon Elswa. Today, my guest is Rob Carson, and we talk about his transition from the Marine Corps as an infantry officer to information security. Rob Carson is founder of SemperSec. Rob knows how to simplify the problem and deliver solutions. And he likes to put things in perspective. You know, at the end of the day, like, I wasn't getting shot at. I worked at climate control, you know, so people would be all stressed out. I'm like, well, no one's going to die. So it's okay. Like, it's not great. What They can only fire you. They're not going to kill you. His distinguished career includes service as a Marine Corps infantry officer, as well as leading roles in IT and security. It wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. I was nervous, though. What I figured out at first was that it was really just different weapon systems and how to employ them. And that's what I'm good at. Rob built highly successful information security programs for ISO, PCI, HIPAA, NIST, and GDPR. I used to have a full head of hair. Like a couple ISO projects later, like it's gone. He also volunteers his time as a chief security officer for B-Sides Las Vegas, a nonprofit education organization designed to advance the body of information security. His clients include Fortune 200 companies, U.S. government contractors, state and local governments, fuel retailers, and software and hardware manufacturers. Let's get to the show. All right, Rob, thanks for coming on to the show. Appreciate your time. Hey, happy to be here. Great, thanks. So maybe we could start to tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess quick background. i from Colorado and I left to go to college at Texas A&M. Got my degree in maritime administration. So it's basically shipping logistics, which actually helped me out later on, believe it or not. But did that, graduated from that, also went through the Marine Officer Program and became a Marine Corps Infantry Officer and did seven years in the Marine Corps. Got my master's degree in management science from the University of Maryland. And then when I got out, I started as a project manager at a small MSSP because I was trying to figure out, like, what do I do? I figured out, well, I'd, I was basically a project manager. I did a lot of patrols. Those were all right. projects. Started a small MSSP, worked my way to VP of operations, and then left there to go to a uh, be the head of security for the back end of a large ITSM SaaS provider. And then in the last year, I started SemperSec and been on my own adventure. That's awesome, man. Really good stuff. Congratulations. Thank you. That's good. So tell me a little about the transition from going from the Marines to the, to the private sector. Oh, so that was, it was an adventure. Like, so I prepped a lot, mm-hmm. but I had, you know, I had to learn a whole new vocabulary. So, you know, when you get out, like it's a totally different language, like SMTP and email. Like I thought those were two different things. Mm-hmm. Did a whole project on that. And I, <laughs> Totally confused when I first started out. But you know, the good part is the Marine Corps taught me a lot of leadership. So I was good at working with subject matter experts. And I had this team of like super nerds that like you just do great things as long as I could buy pizza and Red Bull and keep the executives away from and find DEF CON money. Everybody was happy. But it was definitely an adventure. But you know, at the end of the day, like I wasn't getting shot at. I worked at climate control, you know, so people would be all stressed out. I'm like, well, no one's gonna die. So it's okay. Like, it's not great. What they can only fire you. They're not going to kill you. It's great. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. And then with relations to information security, how was it to adapt into that? So it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. I was nervous though. What I figured out at first was that it was really just different weapon systems and how to employ them. And that's what I'm good at. Like if I'm in the firewall, we're having a really bad day. I and mean, I used to be nervous about my lack of technical skills, but it turns out because I'm good at the logic and I understand how the business worked and how people work, I was able to fill my role very well. And 
it's one of those, okay, you know, cause InfoSec now it's almost like medicine, right? Like you've got heart surgeons, you got pediatricians, you got, and it's the same thing. Like if you yeah. need to do encryption, you go find an encryption guy. Like that's a thing. It's his own special snowflake. Like it's one of those, like you're going to be good enough to know that you should go get a guy. You know, and that's what I am, you know? So, I mean, the way I describe it is like, it was, it was fun. Like, you know, leading, leading people is awesome. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I like fighting bad guys. Like, you know, granted at the end of the day, like, you know, I'm not saving people from a refugee zone or delivering, you know, their first time to vote. Like it's corporate now, but yeah. watching people grow, like, I mean, that's one of the best things is like some of the people I've hired, like are doing amazing, like, and just learning how InfoSec works, but really it's brilliance in the basics. You know, at the end of the day, like, you know, you got to have a program, mm-hmm. you got to know what you're doing and you need to be able to find the right people for that and call the right guy or person. Okay. okay. And then what about tooling up? So information security oftentimes has a steep learning curve. So, yes. yeah. So <laughs> can you talk more about that? You know? Yeah. So what I did, I started getting my CISA, uh, Certified Information Systems Auditor, because for me, I didn't have a tech background. I had a wise phone. I didn't have a smartphone. Like I had the Zach Morris phone. It was, <laughs> you know, it was what it was. Like it wasn't that I was afraid of being of tech. It's just that like I didn't have a lot of tech. Right. Um, okay. And so yeah, you kind of had to drink the Kool Aid. Is the way the best way to describe it. It's like joining a cult or something. Like it becomes your thing. It just becomes your thing. You got to like embrace it and just not be afraid to ask. Like I asked a lot of questions. I had three whiteboards in my office, so my IT manager would come in and like. We have to just draw it out so I could figure out how these things actually work from a logical standpoint. But tooling up and just, and I started tooling up on the compliance side because I know how to run programs. Mm-hmm. That was part of my background and overall management. I knew compliance from a safety standpoint, which isn't really any different. You're just mitigating risk. The risk I used to have to mitigate was how you do aerial sniper shots in nation states that may not be friendly. So you got to make sure your shots are clean. Mm-hmm. So different risk. But it's risk and figuring out you're still going to take risk. At the end of the day, if we wanted to be secure, we would just turn all this stuff off. Would, who knows? Yeah, then you can't do anything if you turn So that's off. how I tooled up. I did that. And ISO 27001 was a big thing for me, like understand compliance. And that's what I, one of the things I tell people if they're not done from, from the tech side is don't be afraid that you're not techie. Just mm-hmm. be who you are. The best thing is when you're dealing with engineers, like if you try to, you try to play buzzword bingo with them, they're going to own you. So. Yeah. Just be like, hey, is this what this is called? Ask those questions and like making sure you're understanding the compliance side is great because if you can audit, you understand how the business works, you know how processes work, you can fill a major niche inside of information security. Okay, yeah. And I think I'd like to get back to the transition part, but I think you mm-hmm. touched upon something with the people part where, where you see people part as a really big part of your job right now or even in transitioning. So can you talk about that? I'd been a company commander, so I had 110 Marines. So I knew what it was like to lead, you know, large groups. And I'd also led small groups of subject matter experts. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you're dealing with SMEs, you know, it's paying the king a shilling, like asking their opinion first, not sitting there and, well, I read a book about it. Like, it's just throwing yourself into it, getting in there with them and like, hey, show me how to do this. Like, okay, like, what do I need to know? You know, and asking those questions, like, what do I need to know? You know, and filling your, your role. And that's where, like, for me, my transition, it was tough. Like I had a lot of things like DLP and like just, yeah. I literally had, uh, you know, you make friends, buy people lunch. I would have how like, uh, the whole WebSense DLP, now it's whether it's Fortinet or whatever it's called now, but like that whole thing was explained to me over some ketchup bottles, a salt shaker, right before we were doing an onsite project plan. Cause I could plan a project. I just had to understand like how it all worked. So awesome. it's just buy a lot of beer and 
don't be afraid to get your nerd on. Like going to the hacker conferences, like that was my pivotal piece. Like for me, it was like the first year I was just a PM and I was doing this. And then like I started getting into it and I really liked, you know, the offensive side. I understood that. I understood the defensive side and running the internal security program. I started to, you know, really start to understand it a little bit. And then I started going to DEF CON and that was huge. It was one of those, you know, kind of like basically helped, you know, shoot up your. Yeah. Well, and the fact that I could go to the classes and like, there was something for me. No, there was some when they're throwing up command line, like that wasn't the class for me. Cause when I think of command line, I want to run Oregon trail. You know, I wish I could throw four lines of Python at a problem, but I'm, I'm not that guy, mm-hmm. but you could go to the classes, just the talks and just meeting all the people and just getting involved in the community. Once I realized like we're all a bunch of deviant people, we're all strange in weird ways. And like we all fit in. Cause the cool part is it's all about who you are. They don't really care about where you come, like your skin, your ethnic, your sexual preference. It's more about what's in your brain housing group. Mm-hmm. And are you a good person or not? Like, are you trying yeah. to front, pretend you, cause like, let's face it, you go to DEF CON, like there is somebody smarter than you probably at the bar stool next to you. So you got to be very careful. You know, you learn how to humble yourself. Right. Right. I think humility is something you touched upon early on. So a little right. bit of humility and just going up to folks and asking them for some knowledge. Oh yeah. And then building that network, like I started volunteering. So that was one oh. of the things too. We'd hired a bunch of guys from OWL group. They came in, you know, we had gone to DEF CON and all that stuff. And they're like, hey, you got to go to Derby Con, which I'm going to like tomorrow, actually. Nice. And I started volunteering there. Then I was having a conversation when I was there with a buddy. And all of a sudden, this guy's like, hey, that'd be a great talk. Send it in. And all of a sudden, next thing, me and my buddy are talking at GERCON and started doing talks. And just started to find my passion and find my place in the cyber landscape, if you will. Yeah. What I'm good at and being okay with that. But figuring out, like, I don't have to be afraid of not being the cloud architect. Mm-hmm. it's okay there's a guy for that but i can do my part yeah a lot of people you know they see all these superstars and they feel like oh how am i going to get into this field or how am i going to be as good as them so yeah that's really good to hear that's really good to hear so what makes you successful in your job today uh, i think it's empathy mm. so you know, like I was just talking to a customer today and, you know, they, they're at that transition point. Like a lot of times I work with customers that are in that SMB space that are going from, you know, either the outsource IT, the one man IT shop, but all of a sudden they've got these compliance requirements for them to grow and they're trying to figure out how to do it. And it's one of those like helping to understand like, Hey, I know what you had to do to get here. And I understand it's duct tape and super glue. We're going to change. We're going to grow, but don't feel bad about what it is. Let's start making that continual improvement. Hey, we can't send that stuff to personal email accounts. Like, let's get to mature. I remember, you know, putting in the security program, like, we had what we had. I had RSA and Vision. It was awful, you know? Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, your two-factor is SMS. We know that's not the greatest two-factor out there. We know it's easily spoofable and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. it's still a one of those, like, helping people get to the baseline so yeah. they can keep growing and go, hey, you know, it's okay. Like, you at least have that. Let's worry about the stuff you don't even have. Like that's where like when people say, oh, compliance sucks. Like I look at it as like, if you can't do compliance, you're not ready for any real cybersecurity, but helping them not try to boil the ocean. Like I used to have a full head of hair, like a couple of ISO projects later, like it's gone. Like, <laughs> you, know, you can't do it all at once and understand like, right. At the end of the day, people are doing the best they can with mm-hmm. what they've got mm-hmm. and helping them spread the gospel, if you will, of, you know, of InfoSec and, and making sure the message resonates and helping, you know, what helps me now a lot of it is helping to understand, you know, some of the most passionate people in the world where they're like, they're ready to die on that hill for something silly. Or it's like, hey, that, I get it. But you know what? 
end of the day, like if you're in a, a, cor- a corporate environment, right? Yeah. Typically they care about two things. Did you get hacked? Did you pass your audit? Can we mm-hmm. sell? So how does your message resonate with what matters, you mm-hmm. know, and not trying to protect everything. Let's just protect what's most critical to the customer. So they stop trying to worry about all the things that don't matter. Go, okay, this is the crown jewels. This is what we're going to care about first. Right, right. It's about, like you said, not trying to boil the ocean. So coming in there and taking some baby steps, increasing that security maturity, quote mm-hmm. but, you know, taking baby steps as opposed to coming in chicken little, sky's falling, right? Yeah, exactly. And simplifying the solution. Half of it's like, because I, I used to over-engineer stuff. I've made policies for the sake of policies. Like, I've done it. Like, that's the thing is, like, I'm a, I call myself a lessons learned enthusiast. Oh, okay. I like that. I like to learn the hard way a lot of times of like how not to do it. So that's what I tell customers like, well, don't do it that way. I did it that way. It didn't work. Let me tell you why. But explaining, you know, having that strategy of like, okay, you know, working through those programs and helping them understand, okay, hey, you don't want to do it that way. That's going to be a bad idea. I know that sounds great in theory, but you need to push that responsibility someplace else. Because mm-hmm. you know what? It's not your decision. You let the business owner sign off on that. And that's a great way to start solving problems. You know, that's why coaching, a lot of it's just coaching and going, hey, well, if you can get your boss to sign off on that, that's great. You know, and the boss is like, well, I'm not going to sign off on you having some stupid game on your laptop that gets hacked and it hacks the whole company. Like, yeah, okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Our job is to let them know the full picture, right? Because it's not a security business. Typically, unless you're in, even if you're in an MSSP or in a security company, you're only doing security so you can sell and make more money. You're not doing it just because the hackers are coming. You're doing it to protect right. revenue. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're actual security company, right? Which is like, then your reputation's on it and all that. But Your reputation matters, but it's like, there's a great quote. I'm giving a talk on guerrilla warfare in a little few weeks here. A great quote from John F. Kennedy, where he was basically talking, to, you know, they were asking about the space program. And he was like, I don't care about putting a man on the moon. But what he did care about was beating the Russians. Mm. There you go. It's, and that's why it's like people understanding like, hey, don't feel bad. They don't care about your program. Find out what they care about and go. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way to look at it. So I remember when we talked last time, you had this like whole metrics program put together and it sounded pretty awesome. Yeah. Can you talk a little about that and how some of your military experience kind of helped influence that? Sure. So, you know, it's one of those things you can't manage what you can't measure, right? Mm-hmm. And so like I said, you have two big metrics, right? There's a lot of stuff that boils up into that, right? So how do you make sure you're going to pass your audit? How do you stay at that 90% audit ready? Like when you go into the audit for the actual cert or whatever, that third party audit, like there should be no surprises. You got to find something. It should be like, Oh, we didn't know about that. Holy cow. Like you shouldn't be shocked. So like what I do is I put metrics together that I truly define the metric where I'm breaking out like how we're going to do it. Okay, so the metric, it's here to meet this control. So let's say we're, and it's not necessarily, are we stopping hackers with a process? Like, let's say it's offboarding, like, or Mm -hmm. onboarding. Number of employees onboarded versus background checks, because we're just trying to make sure we're doing our background checks. And the goal of it is, you know, does this process happen? Because you don't want to find out that you haven't been doing background checks, because HR decided that that hurt people's feelings or something. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Right. And so it's... Well, you don't trust me. Yeah, exactly. And so you build it out and you define how you're going to measure it. So you measure it the same way every time. So the idea is that you can give that to somebody else to do. And also the biggest thing is that red, yellow, green at the end of it. The so what? If you're not making a decision off of that metric, what is the point? Like you should go like offboarding or onboarding, right? So there should be, hey, we have a problem. 
And we need to have a meeting and there needs to be action taken to figure out why this process isn't working, right? Like there should be some definitive action that comes from it. Otherwise, okay. I mean, if you're not going to do anything about it, then don't measure it. And, and I say with the Marine Corps, the tie-in with the military part, it's keeping stuff simple. Again, like I call it, you know, breaking it down Barney style because they're humans. We're all working our butts off. And like most people aren't in affairs. People are trying to do the right thing, you know? And so it's to alleviate the concern and keeping stuff less stressful. It's like, that's why you just make it clearly defined. So it's like, it's a repeatable process. And then you figure out like, okay, let's say when you first start it, you have 10 metrics. You know, your goal should be maybe the first round, you're just trying to get 25% of them automated. And then your future goals is like, okay, how can we automate the rest of these things? So we don't have to go collect them. What is your advice to folks, particularly in the military, uh, mm-hmm. looking to transition into information security? What is something that you know you think would benefit them? Or, or what are some steps they could take? Oh, good question. So I would say start joining the local chapters. So if you're... Chapters of? Chapter like ISSA, mm-hmm. uh, Cloud Security Alliance, ISACA, whatever it is, start going. And like, it's okay to say, I'm a noob. I don't know, but don't be scared and don't be afraid. Like I was an infantry officer. I barely had a computer half the time because I had a rifle and a radio. So it's one of those, like, don't be afraid of it. And understand it's more than that. You know, military guys, we all do this stupid information assurance stuff where it's like, you do this online training once a year so you can keep your email address. And it's usually pretty awful. Mm. It's much more than that. And don't be afraid. There's a ton of veterans in there and there's a lot of veterans programs that they're trying to recruit to get people in. And, you know, to understand like the first job you get is the hardest job you'll ever get in InfoSec. That'll be the hardest job to get is that first step in. But, you know, there's multiple ways to get in either through the compliance side or project management side, or you can go to, you know, go to a school and get a cert. You know, I got my PMP when I got out. Okay. So that helped quantify what I did because it's one of those things like if your resume says you were a jungle warfare specialist, well, that's great. But guess what, guys? Nobody's hiring a jungle warfare specialist. So it's not relevant. Or why would it be relevant to the job? If it's not relevant, you got to cut it out. And it's hard. Like, it's one of those, like, you know, I taught urban combat in Moldova. I was super excited about that. Like, yay. And guess what? It's not on my resume because you know what? Nobody cares. It's a cool story, but it's not relevant to what I was trying to get hired for. So, you know, understanding that, and like, if you're still in, start training out. Go get a cert. Go get a security plus. Get that. Like, that's a great entry level cert, you know. I wouldn't go try to go get your CISSP because if you have your CISSP and you have no experience, it's not going to do you any good. Um, right, right. In my humble opinion, like I think it's better to, you know, if you have the experience, go get the CISSP, but you know, go get a cert, get something that resonates because, you know, and you don't have to have a college degree, you know, and this is, this is probably bad. I've got a master's degree, but understand this. Like I've hired two of my top engineers. One of them had a GED with a 200 level IQ and the other kid, He's got two years of college and he's making a buck 70 a year now. Like you don't have to have a degree, but you do have to have the aptitude and attitude and the drive, which most military people do. Like we don't understand nine to five. Like you go home when it's time to go home. And that's how it is in InfoSec. The hackers don't show up at 9am on Tuesday after your first cup of coffee. Yeah. Like it'd be nice. It doesn't work that way. So like it's one of those, you know, look at those veteran training programs because there's a ton of them that'll get you straight in and get that entry level job. Go make your bones in a sock. The security operations center. Yeah. Because yeah, you'll start off low, but low pay in it and even in InfoSec is not very low. Mm-hmm. And like it will go very fast. I hired a girl from the help desk and within two and a half, three years, she went from forty to eighty. You know, because she was awesome. 
Yeah. But she drank the Kool-Aid too. That's the other part is, you know, just like in the military, you know, I had a first sergeant that told me your hobbies should reflect part of your career. Mm. Right. Mm. That's, that was a great piece of advice. You know, as an infantry officer, like you should be out hiking on the weekends or shooting rifles, or you should be, you know, right. your hobbies should help what you do. That's cool. Like yeah. volunteering at InfoSec conferences. Like that's a great place to meet people. Cause if mm-hmm. you're there and you're volunteering, like you're going to make friends right away. Like mm-hmm. I'm a CSO for Las Vegas B-Sides. Like that's a great place to come out and meet people and like just make connections because people are looking and if they have a choice, because when they're hiring entry level security people, they know they're going to have to train them. And there's yeah. a million of people want that job. So the way you're going to get it is somebody goes, the dude's actually, he's passionate about it. Right. Like, passion. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think the Kool-Aid part you mentioned too, because you know, don't expect to be spoon fed, right? No. You got to go out there and maybe... I mean, I've never been in the military, but, you know, is that something where in the military, they kind of just train you to do X, Y, Z, you know, what, is there any mental adaptation necessary to transition? Yes and no. So some mm. of the adaptation that you will have to deal with is some of your bosses might suck. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> I, I, I think the military, at least the Marine Corps, in my humble opinion, does a great job of leadership training. Okay. Um, and I made a lot of my mistakes as a second lieutenant. I think if there was any Marines listeners that were my Lance Corporals at the time, they'd probably be able to tell you some stories. But they don't do a very good job of leadership training in the civilian world. It's a lot of times people get promoted because they're good at something, so they put them in charge. But they don't really know how to be a leader. And they aren't going to care as much about your personal whatever as we do in the military. Mm. Um, oh, really? Yeah, it's one of those, like, they should. You should know your people. But... It's not always the same way for everybody. And so understanding like the same level you might be used to, even if you didn't think it was all that great, it can be worse. But if you have that drive and motivation, you can sail right through it. I would say that and other adaptations like, oh, yeah. So if you're getting out, this is what I'll tell you what I did. Mm-hmm. There's a set of podcast tools called How to Interview Series or Manager Tools. Best thing ever. I went to Seps and Taps twice. It was terrible. So that's actually the best set of how to interview stuff. Like I literally would record myself every night answering three or four questions, explaining like why that was relevant to something, practicing, train, 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 train how you fight, just like we did in the military. Same thing applies in the civilian world, train how you fight. And then I would videotape myself once a week because my wife would tell me I would start knife handing and like scowling at people when I'd start talking about something. I was like, ah, oh, no, honey. <laughs> Turns out like I watched it. She's like, well, watch the video. Oh, okay. And like learn how to smile and like understand that I'd say the other transition too is the military has definitely done a lot of transition. I think the generation, the the newest generation, the millennial generation, I, technically I'm a senior millennial if I know mm-hmm. what article I read, but uh, you know, understand that if you came from the infantry, like at my time, there weren't any women in the infantry. So the rough housing, the stuff that goes on, you know, is different and you know, the little different level of professionalism, but at the same time, you're an AC. It's great. You're going to say climate control. It's, it's not that bad. Remind yourself, like you ain't getting shot at. It's okay. Uh, the other thing too, like I remember, <laughs> funny story. So I was all nervous about how to dress, right? Because in the military, you have a uniform. That is probably the one thing that was hard for me was mm. how to dress. Because like, because you know what to wear every day. And, you know, it's told. Like right. that, it's yeah. pretty, it's, it's all for you. Yeah. And like, <laughs> so when I interviewed at my first company, like, I met these guys. This guy was like in a tap out t-shirt and jean shorts, whatever. And then like, and I talked to my boss. He's like, yeah, I just wear, you know, cargo shorts and a t-shirt or whatever. And I, I wore like a collared shirt, but I, and like, and they happened that day they were messing with each other and they were all dressed up in suits. And I'm like, what the heck? I got all confused. 
So, but I would tell you, if you want to be noticed, don't dress sloppy. You know, sometimes you have to tell engineers, like you've worn that same shirt for the last three days. Have you showered? <laughs> um, like, do you have more than one shirt? And that's the thing. Like, so, you know, get some clothes, you know, but it's one of those things like the best thing to do is kind of watch how people dress, like talk to somebody, figure out that part out. Like it's, it's one of those, it's not a big deal, but first impressions matter. Mm-hmm. And so you could ask you know, a recruiter. I mean, you could even ask a recruiter, you know, Hey, what's the dress code? What do you know? All that but stuff. I would, I would tell people for an interview though, wear a suit. I mm-hmm. don't care. They have jobs. You're trying to get a job. You should be dressed in the, I need to get a job clothes. They have the, I already have a job clothes. Yeah, that's true. Although I found it actually kind of sometimes backfires with like the younger startups these days and things like that. So, well, that's uh, why I like, well, I have skulls, I have a skull liner. So I, I have skulls in my suit. So it's still cool. But you're right. Like you got to be careful. And the other thing is like lighten up. Like that's why I like videotape yourself, like learn how to smile. Like don't be so. One of the other things that, that was tough to transition is calling everybody sir and ma'am. Oh, interesting. Like calling my boss. Rob was like, cause his name was Rob too, was like, was weird. And that's, it's yeah. a thing that like, there's nothing wrong with being polite, mm-hmm. but as you move up, you got to be careful. And, and you got to fit you, in. You have to be able to use first names and be comfortable. And it's going to be weird at first. It's going to yeah. be okay. Yeah. It's gonna be weird. But yeah, I would say that's definitely, that was one of the things that now that I'm thinking about it. I'm coming back to like, Oh yeah, I totally, I had trouble with that. Oh, and, People don't start meetings on time. Sometimes the corporate culture can be very, very uh, painful. I know. I know. Like, so understand that. Take a breath. You're not getting shot at. Like, you don't need to be 15 minutes early. That's the other part, though, is the meetings, if the meeting is supposed to start at 10, make sure you're there, you know, dialed five in. Yeah. Yeah. Five to 10 or you know, two minutes ahead of time is fine. Right. But right. you don't need to be 15 minutes early because mm-hmm. they're, still, they're still on another call. They're doing something else. Like, they're not. Nobody's going to be 15 minutes early. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to unpack here. Go ahead. Yeah. Know, don't show up for your interview like 30 minutes early or something like that. Because then it's like, what am I supposed to do with you? I'm not. Because you got to understand. That's what I tell people too. Is like somebody who's hired lots of people. One page. Your resume should be one page, unless like if you're getting out of the military, if you've got less than 10 years in the world, like one page. Because I'm not going to read past that. So you got to catch my attention in the very beginning, and mm-hmm. you're going into three folders. A, B, and C. A, I want to call right away. B, I'll call if I don't get if I don't find any A's. And C, why did this person apply? And you've got to go and think of it as phase lines too. So your job is get the phone interview, get a resume good enough to get the phone interview, ace the phone interview, then get the on site, get the offer. Then you can decide if you don't want to take it or not. Oh, and don't right. ne- and if you you're probably not going to be any good at negotiation. So and if you're arguing with me about two grand, you're not going to see it in your paycheck. So it's not really going to matter. Like it's one of those, like you got to make sure you're inside the, you know, you can be outside the box, but you need to stay inside the room. Like, but if you're the only time you negotiate is if like, there's like a 30 grand gap or 10, you know, there's something significant that you need to, is a deal killer, but especially on your first job, right? Especially on your first job. I mean, if you're going to get out, like what I did is I used my base pay rate as my salary mm-hmm. request. I cut out the BAH and the other stuff because when you're in the military, you can look at these things and it'll say like, oh, I made 90 grand. Well, yeah, but your base pay is this and you got to be willing to start there. Like I started and this, I'll show this. Like I went from like 57 to, I mean, I was, I cleared in the first three years, I went from 57 to like 120. 
so don't be afraid that like and that's what the cool part about the startups is the startups you can that can happen there it's pretty unheard of but if you go to big corporate you're going to get your three to five percent raise every yeah, year like that's, that's what it is and that's why like, i would tell you when you go to those job fairs they're depressing they're great yeah. for free pens and recon but don't be afraid to talk to the small guys there because that's where the opportunity is like there's a million people in line for lockheed and don't be afraid don't be scared because like what are they gonna do say no okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why like six months out, start crafting the resume and have people look at it. You know, go to steps and taps if you can. 90 days out or about that point, you should be recording yourself and practicing answering questions. And that's when you can start applying because like the other part is you can't apply for a job. You're not available for six months. Like they're trying to fill that spot now. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot on military transition. So what drives you in information security? Why are you in the field? Um, Where'd you get the idea to get into information security younger when you're in the military no it was honestly like i had two pm job offers at the same time one was with big corporate company and then one was with uh where i went and Mm. the big corporate one was a higher salary actually but i'd have been doing the same thing and it was it would have been boring like there you go i didn't know anything about infosec and the cool part is like it's not it's a negative unemployment industry like people aren't making less data it's still exciting like there's still so much stuff to learn and nobody's an expert anymore at all of it. They can't be. It's fun because you get to channel your inner criminal too. It's like, to be good at the blue team, you got to think like a criminal and go, well, how would I hack this place? Okay, this is what I got to fix. Stop that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I got to say the passion is like, it's the adventure. Like it's always new and you're helping people and you're stopping, you know, maybe you're stopping bad guys. You know, I mean, you know, yeah, I fight bad guys with a keyboard now. It's not as sexy, but it is what it is. Yeah. I think there's something, there's a lot of parallels, I think. Mm-hmm. from transition from military to information security. You are trying to protect something mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Absolutely. Good. This is great. I definitely see a second episode <laughs> with us <laughs> in the future. So from a PM, so, you know, and I have a friend actually that is a PM and he wants to transition to information security. What are some things you would recommend to him? So understand that like he may not be able to command the same, it depends on where he's, what industry he's in. Like let's say he's in construction. Okay. It's different stuff. Like why, let's say you're paid a hundred grand. I'm just using round numbers here in construction, right? Like you may have to go back to 80 to go back up to 120. Because a PM and InfoSec, a good one. Yeah, they're easily 120, 150. Like this, the top notch ones, but they have a lot of experience in security. They know SDLC. They know these different pieces. They know how to put the pieces together and herd the nerds. You know, they know how to go. When the engineer says it'll take me two hours, that means two days. <laughs> Yeah. Scotty, <laughs> I need my engines now. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So dude, tell me some war stories. You got any uh, war stories to share? Yeah, I got to sanitize it and I got to think through the, uh, it's when people are freaking out during DR, like don't yell at your people. I've been yelled at, like don't yell at people during DR. Uh, <laughs> All right, dude, this is awesome. Thanks so much. It was awesome. I think there's a lot to be said about those transitioning. Oh, yeah. You know, I, in fact, at DEF CON, some random person came up to me and asked me, hey, I just came out of the army. You know, where do I go? You know, I installed Kali Linux and what do I do? So, but you got to start somewhere. You got to start and just be humble and just drink the Kool-Aid. Join the call. (laughs) Got to literally like, you just got to like embrace it and understand like there's a lot of important people. They'll tell you. It's like Navy SEALs. Like they'll be sure to let you know how important they are. But 
like most people are pretty humble and like as long as you're just asking questions and trying to learn and like being honest not trying to play buzzword bingo with things you don't know what you're talking about yeah you're good yeah you know cool man you read a book on blockchain doesn't make you a blockchain expert (laughs) blockchain there you go Um, all right well have a good one